Desert Island Geek. Each episode, we welcome one self-confessed geek to our deserted island. But there's a catch. They may bring five, and only five, of their most essential geek items they simply cannot live without. Welcome once again to Desert Island Geek. This week we are joined by Roly Cutler. He is a 36-year-old IT worker, been in the business for 20 years, and he hates computers. He was born in the flatlands of Suffolk, but lived most of his life as an honorary Welshman in Anglesey. He started podcasting in December 2004 to vent frustrations mainly, comment on world events, and show the world there was more out there than just your own backyard. Roly, welcome. Thank you. Now, we're, there's a little bit of background noise today, which is interesting, because we're not actually in the normal customs office, as, as you know. Um, I've actually come across to the mainland to save you the trip over, because we know how uncomfortable you can be about rough seas. Yes. And uh, we really didn't want you to make the trip and then have to make the trip back. So I hope you understand that consideration. I can understand that completely. Yes, and thank you for that consideration. So we can get, th- we can get started here. Um, as the world passes us by in the great city on the mainland, you are allowed to bring five items, geek items, onto the island, the first of which is a website. What website have you chosen? Okay, well, as the intro says, I've been in computers for such a long time and I've seen internet sites up and down and appear and disappear. Um, But there's one which has been... I don't know, I suppose part of my life since the internet really started becoming an influence on me, and that's um, beta.com, spelt B3TA.com. It's a, um, a website that really is just a bunch of people that put very, very silly things on it. Um, cartoons, video, um, flash, games... It's, it's a website that everybody throws silly things on for people to enjoy. Um, one that springs to mind is the, um, the Buffy swearing keyboard. And um, whenever you press a key on your keyboard, it says something rather rude. And the first time I saw that, I just creased up laughing. Especially seeing it was in an office of ten other people as well when I found it. Uh, my boss was not very pleased at the time when that blared out through the speakers of the PC. Now it's, inter- it's interesting because uh, you just said it's called Beta mm. that's how you pronounce it. Now you see all this time I came across this site and in fact I discovered it around about the same time you did with the Buffy swearing thing. I always thought it was called B3TA <laughs> I, I, should I be slightly embarrassed about that sort of re- reducing my geek cred? No, no, no no. I mean oh, back in the I suppose early 80s I suppose when the internet was only really coming into its infancy and only appearing out in businesses and things like that hackers always changed their names of course and three um sorry e's became threes and s's became z's and I think it's just something that stemmed on from that it's very silly 
And of course, now we're seeing that because of all the domain names being used, we're seeing people dropping vowels all over the place to, to release a new product or whatever into the sort of Web 2 world. Yeah. Which is a similar kind of thing, do you think? I think it is. I mean, it, it is sort of to try and become an individual rather than have better.com. You would have, I don't even know whether there is a better.com, but. Anyway, you take the E out of, or one of the E's out of better, or make one of the E's into a three, it gives you that kind of individuality, which um, makes you, makes your presence on the net, because there are now so many people out there trying to get their own little piece of the internet. You have to make yourself known. So it's a desperate attempt to have a unique email on, on Gmail or something exactly. like that. That's basically what it is. So you, exactly. you, don't have to, you actually have to be Arthur3065. That's right. Beta.com, as I know it's now called, it's going to entertain you. That's, yes. that, that's the primary level is entertainment. It's primarily entertainment. The plan for me for this island is to get away from it all. Leave the phones, leave the television set leave the family maybe I don't know um, the plan is, is that I'll sit on the beach and watch Beta uh, it's interesting because of course we've changed policy ever so slightly from the original Desert Island Geeks the initial Desert Island Geeks in that we now give you access to Wikipedia by default mm. because we felt that uh, so many people are going to want Wikipedia for information on foods and how to survive and all this kind of stuff we thought okay well there's no point us having a load of gravestones to greet you when you actually move on to the <laughs> island from all the previous residents who haven't been able to eat well I know my mushrooms actually so maybe I can help so you're a fun guy I'm a fun guy yes. right obviously you'll be pleased to to have access to beta.com if that's the kind of level of humour that you're used to on the island. Great. Do you think it's going to, going to help your sanity? Because obviously you're going to be alone. And being alone, you know, if you've watched movies of people on desert islands, it can screw with your head a little bit. So the weirdness of, of, of beta.com, is that going to help? Uh, yes and no. Because um, it's, it's hardly going to bring you back down to earth, is it? Because it's so not. bizarre. No, certainly not. I mean, the, the good thing about beta is that they do put things in there which are current, especially the cartoons and topical comments and things like that. It, it's, it's in that website as well. So at least then I'll have that sanity of knowing that somebody's life is worse than mine seeing on a desert island. But the whole idea, to be perfectly honest, the whole idea for me to go to the island is to get away from it all. And if I go mad in the process, then so be it. Well, at least you may have some material to actually put onto beta.com when you come back out. Oh, yes. That would some be crazy, fun. crazy ideas. Because oh. you'll be kind of brainwashed by the whole site and its whole concept. Yes, I can see that happening. So the second item that, that you're permitted uh, to have access to on the island, and we do not get into any detailed discussion about how you can have access to these items, particularly things that require internet connections, uh, is a podcast. Okay. Which podcast would you choose? I would like to have Bite Size Bonus. Um, it's a music podcast five times a week by a guy called Green Dragon, Martin. And he has a very eclectic mix of music. Now, I love my music. I just can't get enough of music. And th that podcast itself, because it has such a diverse mix of music, that, that would just keep me going all the time now if my chronology is correct um, 
Martin Green Dragon was the very first UK podcaster, wasn't he? It's believed believe. to be, yes, it's believed to be him being mm. the very first podcaster back in October 2004. Which is quite, quite an important landmark. Do you think that his longevity and his passion and his continuing hard work for producing a, a daily show, do you think that's part of, of the reason you, you, you still you stick with that show and you enjoy it and you would choose it in this instance? Yes, he's very passionate about what he does and what music he plays. And because I have a passion for very similar styles that he plays, that's the whole reason why I've stuck with him since day dot, really. So if he plays something the, that you like, do you find you, you want to play those same tracks on your podcast? I've found that several times, that um, we have, in fact, contacted each other and swapped music. Um, stuff which I've listened to and not even played on my show and said, here's a track, have a listen, play it. Um, it's worked very well. I mean, we used to live very close to each other, um, only four miles away from each other, which was quite surprising at the time. And so, yeah, it, it's not just him. He's a very strong person when it comes to podcasting, but his style is, is just great and... The music that he plays is, again, just brilliant. So you probably need to have some means of keeping notes because over a period of time you're going to actually be able to pinpoint tracks you want to hear again. Oh yes, definitely. That does involve actually writing it down on a piece of paper. I always try and carry around a notepad with me at any, at any one time. So if I do listen to something on a, sh on a podcast, on not just Bite Size Bonus, but on other music shows that I listen to and things like that, I can quickly scribble it down and refer back to it. Do you feel that, that the proximity of your geography that's been for some time, because you're still fairly close to each other, Yeah. do you think that will help to sort of keep you grounded a little bit? You know, the fact that, that you're listening to this voice that's very familiar to you sort of with, with regards to the amount of time you've been listening to him as well, but also you've got this, this much stronger attach attachment than you will have with majority of podcasts. Certainly. Certainly. Um, as I've met him personally, it feels as if I'm a very good friend of his. Whether or not he would agree with me at that point, I don't know. But um, having met one of your favourite podcasters, um, it would certainly give you some grounding, especially on a desert island. That, that makes a lot of sense. Would you maybe make some prior arrangement with Martin to to feed you with some kind of secret information embedded into his shows that, that you can maybe keep in touch with family messages or something like that? <laughs> oh, no, that's the question. Yeah, I, I could get away with that. Whether or not... Uh, no, you'd pick up on that straight away, I think, to be honest. Because we do banter between our own shows. Um, no, I'd, for me to actually... I would guess if I tried that... I wouldn't be allowed the podcast on the island. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. No. You see, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to try and be sort of uh, sneaky and actually s s subliminal messages or something hidden into the, the songs or the choice of songs or something sophisticated like that to try and get around us. I'd like to kind of think that he would go and do that for me. Say, for instance, if something did happen with the family, that he would do it himself. But I would certainly not try to um, coerce him into doing that kind of thing. I feel his show is um, 
important for my ears and my sanity. So um, <laughs> I would not try and jeopardise that. In addition to, uh, you've chosen a music podcast, mm. which is interesting because now we get to a point where we need to talk about your choice of music track. This is a, is a, is a difference. So obviously, you're going to have a broad selection of, of, of music through Martin's show, and you know you're going to like most of that. But let's just look at a scenario here where, for whatever reason, the, the internet isn't available to you, you know, our coconut system of delivery just doesn't work for a little while, maybe there's some high winds, whatever it is, and all you have is, the, is one musical track to listen to for a period of weeks or months, what would that be? That would be Jade Leary's uh, track called Fossil Dawn. Now, Jade Leary um, is an independent artist from Canada, Montreal. And um, I first heard him back in, oh, got to have been January of 2005, very early on in my podcasting days. And um, I just loved it. It wasn't particularly this track. But um, I contacted him to um, see if I would be allowed to play his music on my show. He said, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, I've got some new material which I'm working on. I will let you know when it's available. Here's some, some of my old stuff you're willing to play. What's this podcasting business? So it was still early days, so I tried to explain it to him. He loved every second of it. And um, he produced his own podcast um, on the making of Fossil Dawn. Now, Fossil Dawn was his third album that um, he made. So when he, when he was producing it, he was also doing a podcast alongside with that, explaining how he was putting the music together and what his inspirations were for the music and things like that. When he had finished doing the album, of course, he finished doing his podcast. But it didn't quite stop there. We were talking to each other all the time. And back in February of last year, I was uh, diagnosed with, with MS. And it was quite a shock, not just for, for me and the family, but Jade really took it to heart. And he sent me this song just on the strength of us being really good pals and it really struck home um, for me and I, it's one of those songs which I just can't get out of my head to be honest It's interesting because uh, the beta.com website as you said was pure entertainment, it's not going to keep you grounded but clearly the podcast on the music is most certainly going to keep you grounded because it's going to keep you emotionally attached to some very important people to you at home Music, not well. Of course, the family and Jade and Martin are all very important to me. But I've always found that music has always been an emotional thing. Anyway, um, television, even certain radio and things like that, is so throwaway these days. But music has been close to my heart since I was tiny. Um, and I guess it's not just me. I think an awful lot of people have this same feeling that uh, music is a part of their lives and having it out of your life would be a horrible thing. Um, this is Jade Leary. The track's called Fossil Dawn from his album of the same name. You can find out more information about Jade Leary at jadeleary.com.
that was Jade Leary and a track called Fossil Dawn, which is a very important track to my guest here, Roly Cutler, who was trying to get himself onto the island with the uh, required number of items, or should we say restricted number of items, very much music-based. So we're onto the, the fourth item, we're onto the home stretch now, and this is a book, so it's a little less geeky and techy than, than some of the others. What book would you choose to take with you onto the island? I had real trouble with this. I'm not all that much of a reader. I can't... Well, in fact, I can't remember the last time I picked up a book. It was a blinking Harry Potter book, which I haven't finished yet either. Which Um, one? The last one. I read all the others, I must admit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I don't read them on trains, I promise. (laughs) As I said, I don't really read books all that much. I don't even read technical manuals and things like that when it comes to working. I try to delve in, make mistakes and learn from mistakes very quickly. Um, And I very seldomly read just purely for entertainment. But with podcasting, um, you get involved with lots of other podcasters and into different media and things like this. And one of the um, podcasts that I've listened to over the years is Scott Sigler. Now, Scott Sigler is a writer from America and he writes science fiction, near future horror. He produces podcasts not really just to promote his his books but to push the books out there on the premise that he might possibly get a book deal or might possibly get people to listen to him. One of the first podcasts books that he did was Earthcore. Now, Earthcore was a story of um, a company called Earthcore who discover a platinum deposit underneath a very old mountain in... Oh, where was it? I need to reread the book. <laughs> um, I can't remember the mountain range that it was in, but um, one thing leads to another, and um, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Um, but it was, again, one of his first ones that he did, and he got a very good review, not just from his listenership, but from New York Times and things like this. And on the strength of the show that he did, he actually landed himself a book deal. So the first book that he produced was Earthcore. And Scott has gone, in my opinion, from strength to strength since then. He's produced a number of other shows. He's also written a number number of books. He's had um, another one, another book produced called Ancestor, which of course he set, also sent out as a as a podcast as well. And I believe just recently he's landed himself another five book deal, um, not just on the podcasts, the podcast books that he's done, but um, for books that he is currently writing which he doesn't even plan to actually have as a a podcast book but I found that Earthcore was fresh it came from somebody who I wouldn't have nor ordinarily have picked up and read it was because he produced it as an alternative piece of media before producing it as a book that took my interest and I bought the book and here it is, for me to take into the island, for me to, um, to read. 
your involvement in podcasting that, that ties in with, with Scott Sigler is quite revolutionary because I think he was one of the first guys to actually do this and go through this process of releasing an audio book and then turning it into a, a printed uh, version, which it, did extremely well. It was believed to be the first book that was done like that. So again, do you feel a connection with him? Because it's, it's the, you, know, you were into podcasting in fairly early days, he was in fairly early days. Does that, that connection between you and him, although more tentative than some of the other connections you've talked about so far, does that help you to, to make an overall connection with the book? Have you, have you ever conversed with him or, or exchanged with him emails or, or messages? Or I've sent a couple of emails to him just to say this is a fantastic book, but I feel that um, with Scott's podcasting work and things like that, that I am purely a listener. Um, I don't feel that I've actually contributed anything to um, his works, so to speak. I feel that I have with Bite Size Bonus and, and Jade. Um, Jade Louie, but um, not with Scott. I've been a pure listener and now a pure reader of his works. It was... I found that I wouldn't have even discovered Scott Sigler if it wasn't for his podcast show. Do you feel it might one day give you inspiration to create some kind of story? Maybe about your time on the island? I, in fact, did actually start writing a book a few years ago, actually, and just after Scott started doing his chapters out there, I thought to myself hey, why don't I do the same thing? But saying that, I've got terrible grammar, terrible diction. I can't pronounce anything to save my life. So it, it fell by the wayside. But um, no, I, <laughs> I, I don't feel that my creativity goes to that length. Well, we'll have to see at the end of your stay on the island because... Uh, things might change, you know. You you may that you may come out of the experience very different. You may have some very horrific experiences on the island that you wish to write about, and uh, you know, conversely, you may have a, a wonderful experience that you want to share with people. Hmm. Do you think maybe you would create a special series of podcasts, perhaps talking about your time on the island? Oh, most certainly. Yes, I feel like that that would be of benefit. I've tried. I've done similar things with my show telling people about my past experiences and things like that and I've podcast from around the world I've done ones in India and China and America all those kind of cultures and things have enlightened me to um, tell people of my stories and things like that Do you feel that, that travelling to these locations because presumably you, you weren't travelling in order to podcast you were travelling in these locations anyway and having the inspiration to, to produce that kind of material out there do you feel that enriched your experience during that, that period of travel of those particular countries and the people and so on? It gave me a bit of inspiration because I know that I'm sure that some of the people that listen to my show have not been to these places and they've always wanted to know. Everybody wants to know what's going on somewhere else in the world. Um, again, not just their back door. So, yes, I feel that my little snippet of what I saw and how, what I did there has, I hope, in, encouraged people possibly even to go out there themselves and experience it. I would, for instance, China. Everybody has this stilted belief that China is a horrible, horrible place, but it's not. 
it's full of normal human beings just like you and me getting on with life being happy being sad being stressed being far too mellow for their own good they are normal human beings and to see them in that environment and to see how they live and work with them eat with them can't say sleep with them because I didn't sleep with anybody there. <laughs> yes, it's enriching just not just for me, but I hope that it was in, enriching for the listeners at the time as well. And presumably you're going to find it very valuable in years to come to actually go back and listen to those experiences because they're going to be they're going to be more than memories to you. You know, most people have have photographs of, of, of things, but those are just a, a very very tiny snapshot of an image or whatever. And as time goes on. The connection is, is a little bit less. I personally feel that the audio connection will strengthen your ongoing connection with that, that particular time, the, the travel. Do you feel that might be the case? Oh, certainly. I feel that because I audio blogged, or whatever you want to call it, uh, my time out there, memories fade and your pictures fade. But because podcasts are out there, in the in ethernet ethernet <laughs> in the internet um, they can be recalled that they can be listened to again and again and again and it's and it's kept fresh in your mind so would you have the urge while on the island to create a podcast there yes most certainly that's interesting because we're going to move on to your, your final item now which is a device or a gadget of some kind what gadget have you chosen now, I'm not a lateral thinker. Never have been, never will be. I call a spade a spade. And um, when you say gadget, it means gadget. And my little electronic device is an iPod. Now, as you can probably imagine, this is going to be a little bone of contention with us because it may have to be an empty iPod. Because if you can only have one music track, what's going to be on your iPod? That's a very good point. In this day and age, um, iPods can almost do anything that you want and one of the things that they can do with a tiny little attachment is to record and so I would have it as a thick well a dictaphone as such a diary to say today I did nothing but watch beta on my portable coconut or whatever it might be tomorrow I will be digging that big hole to stop the cannibals from coming to um, take me away and eat me or whatever. So you've heard about the neighbouring I have heard, yes, okay. I have heard. We try and keep them. that quiet because it kind of puts visitors off. But I don't know whether they would actually like me or not because I'm vegetarian and surely my meat can't be very tasty if I eat nothing but mushrooms and courgettes. Your iPod is going to be a recording device? Yes. So it'll be an iPod with uh, some kind of microphone attachment. Yeah. Okay, that, that's acceptable. And that will, will kind of complete the loop for you a little bit. Because when I first saw your list of items, I thought, there's no way he's having that iPod. There's absolutely no way, but you have utterly convinced me. Everything you've had is, is about experience, and about experience with other people and experience with yourself and reflected that experience as well. Um, other than Beta, which is actually just about a bit of fun, which is, which is fine. But the mere fact that you're going to record a unique podcast while you're on the island. That appeals to me because I actually want to listen to it. I'm going to give you the iPod. I'm going to give you all your items because you, you were utterly convincing on everything. Fantastic. And I think, I think it's because 
you've been very personal with these items. You've, you've, you've really thought about what they mean to you and, and how you interact with them now and how you might interact with them on the island. Well, all I need left to do now is to welcome you, Roly Cutler, to the island. You can now make your trip from the mainland across with no risk of needing to come back for quite some time. And I believe we're going to have something very, very worthwhile when you come back, which is a series of uh, podcasts that you will create while you're on there. And I think you'll survive rather well. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. And um, don't get yourself a That was Desert Island Geek. This program was produced and presented by Neil Dixon. To get yourself in touch with the show if you want to take part, have a comment, or want to suggest a geek for a future episode, drop us an email. Customs at desertislandgeek.com Okay, it's just gone eight in the evening, and I don't like it. I want to go home. That's it. I really don't like it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just going to climb this tree and uh, sleep. We'll try to sleep. And maybe in the morning, everything will be okay. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight.